We have a collective bargaining agreement. Yesterday, the MLSPA and owners officially ratified the new agreement, which extends through 2027, which means hopefully after this week, we can stop talking about negotiations and start talking about actual soccer for the foreseeable future, we think, hope. We'll see. <laughs> anyway, this is Waking the Red Weekly. I'm Mitchell Tierney. And aside from some CBA talk on this week's show, we'll also discuss what those negotiations might have meant for Toronto FC's transfer plans, some changes to the Toronto FC staff, and plenty, plenty more. It's part of a busy week for Canadian soccer. About 15 minutes or so, one soccer's Ollie Platt will join us to talk about the She Believes Cup and Toronto FC's transfers and more. Uh, but first, as always, Jeffrey P. Nesker, Michael Singh, how you guys doing? We're back. Go. Yeah. <laughs> We're back. I finally. Yep. I think uh, yep. a little bit of relief there, Mitch, that you know the two sides finally put things behind us and we can just look forward to the start of the season now. I'm buzzing for it. Yep, yep. I'm wearing this training top in honor of the fact that we actually get to go training. And guys, I need <laughs> some help. Explain this to me. What's what's up with these uh with these little finger thumb hole things is that like st- soccer specific or <laughs> i don't know if it's soccer specific but i i remember like when i used to play i remember sliding my thumbs into that and it, it i don't know it felt more comfortable when i was running almost like does it, it ground you because it it forces you to like be more aware of your arms or something like that i, I, I don't know the science behind it i can't tell you that but <laughs> okay. i just you know if there's just slide your finger and then it you know sometimes it's comfy sometimes like Jeff is, yeah. It's probably not. also, yeah, keeps your hands a little bit warm too. For for the listeners, uh, for those who aren't watching, Jeff has those those kind of holes on the sleeves that are part of training tops sometimes that you can put your thumbs into. Um, I think I think by now we've described it well enough. But, <laughs> um, let's uh, let, let's talk about the big topic this week, which of course is the CBA negotiations finally ratified by both sides uh, as we said off the top deal goes through to 2027 um, adding two years to the previous deal worth noting of course that that is the year after the 2026 world cup um, that they'll go back to the negotiating table um, as of right now that means preseason's expected to start february 22nd in the regular season on april 3rd sam stage of the athletic though did say that you know the time the league has spent on these negotiations might have altered some of their other planning. So, I at least reading between the lines would anticipate some sort of delay in in the start of the season. Um, but hey, we we got over the line here. We're going to have soccer next year. There isn't any lockout. I think you know there's there's definitely still negatives here. But from from our standpoint, it's it's a pretty big positive, certainly. Can we break it down? I mean, I have questions. Uh, I know you guys probably understand the minutia of the new CBA better than I do. Um, uh, the free agency is the new hotness, right? That's the that's the sort of uh, thing In that the league is allowed. Years. Okay, okay. And it's not the end of Tam Gam, thank you, ma'am? Yeah, so it's not the end of Tam, Tam Gam, thank you, ma'am, as you put it there. No more allocation money. Uh, or sorry, there, what can you buy with thank you, ma'am? Yeah. Oh, you All right. <laughs> I don't like that laugh. Someone cut, cut Jeff's mic. Cut Jeff's mic. <laughs> <laughs> um, yeah, there still will be allocation money, but in terms of the free agency, it, it seems like players are going to start hitting free agency earlier, but that won't start until 2026, I think it was. So, okay. you know, Five years down the line from now, I think players will start hitting free agency probably a year earlier. So, I mean, that's in in a sense, that's a win for them. But in terms of the uh, 
I guess, salary cap increases, the amount they're going to get paid. Uh, the minimum salary is also increasing uh, pretty significantly, I mean, from, I guess, where it is now um, to where it will be in 2027 for, for you know, the rostered player and even uh, non-rostered players. So that that's a huge plus for, you know, all of those guys who are making five figures and, you know, struggling to, to get by. It's great to see that, you know, they can lock up their, their, their future here in the long term and, you know, just focus on soccer. So... Mm-hmm. Um, another positive for, for, you know, anyone growing up here trying to make it a professional, you, there's a route and, you know, there's a, a league in, a, in our own backyard that we can actually make it and, you know, be, be proud of the fact that we made it there. So, uh, that, that's a big step forward. Um, another thing I want to talk about is, is the young designated player under 22 initiative, mm-hmm. which, um, again, it's the, I think details are still coming out on that, but it looks like additional three players on top of your designated players um if they're under the age of 22 they can go over that that salary budget it seems like wow um so that that's a huge plus especially for a team like tfc who who has the money to spend you can now purchase players that are under the age of 22 and and sort of spend over that salary budget against essentially so i want to see how tfc actually utilize that because they might have some players on their roster that are worthy of of you know just Iowa Canola, for example. Yeah, yeah, I was just be, thinking. Yeah, can yeah, be worthy yeah. of, of that spot, and perhaps that's a way to extend his contract that one year. So I think that that's a huge tidbit in the CBA that that's worth mentioning. Um, mm. And uh, salary budget increases across the board throughout uh, to until twenty twenty seven. I know this season and next season things will stay the same, and I think that's where what the league wanted, just because of you know the potential fans not being the yeah. stadium revenue issues. Mm. So. In that sense, that's what the league wanted. And they also got the extra two years, which was what they really wanted, which was not to have to negotiate around a World Cup. Um, now, what's the significance of that? The fact that the CBA is renegotiated after the World Cup happened? I think it's just it, it would put the players in a better spot to negotiate for, for more money, right? Um, right. If right. you're coming off a World Cup, it, that's where eyes are and that's where revenue mm-hmm. will be, right? So. I think if you're coming off that year and you're negotiating, it's, it's a better stand for, for the players. If you're the owners, you negotiate that five, six years away, the mm-hmm. odds are the players aren't going to get the true value, especially with the, the way that Canada soccer and MLS in general is heading and how big it is it is getting. I don't think the players mm-hmm. are going to really you know, benefit from this long term, but you know, the owners got those two extra years locked up, which is again is key, so they won't have to negotiate during that time. Yeah, right. Obviously, so some stability. <laughs> yeah. 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 Hopefully. Um, <laughs> again, they can. The 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 one thing that gives me a tiny bit of pause is they can opt out of this again, or like twenty twenty two, they can invoke another force majeure clause, which could put us right back here at the negotiating table. You know, obviously crossing our fingers. We're hoping that doesn't happen, but it does exist, and it is worth certainly noting. Mm. Um. But yeah, certainly it, this makes it even more complicated to look at MLS rosters and try and figure out how they're going to be pieced together, but also more fun because I think that is that is part of the fun of this league is is trying to see all the mechanisms you can use to, you know, build <laughs> build a starting yep. 11 versus just straight up spending, you know, money on them like teams around the world do. So um, definitely a, definitely something to look out for. Uh, I also want to talk about how the how you know, this might affect Toronto FC. The first and foremost thing is now they probably have to find somewhere to play reports today, suggesting that uh, the Vancouver Whitecaps 
might be headed down to Salt Lake, which is not mm-hmm. a bad location. I mean, we've seen, uh, I think it was NWSL bubbled there for their first tournament. The PLL bubbled there. Uh, that's a professional lacro- lacrosse league. Um, so, you know, certainly a place that has been tested in terms of its ability to, you know, um, keep players safe, that sort of thing. For Toronto FC, um, it's going to be interesting. I, from everything I've heard, it's, they're not going back to Hartford. I don't think, uh, you know, as as much as it somewhat worked out this year, I don't think the players necessarily want to go back. Uh, I've I've heard they'll be going somewhere, maybe closer to where another Toronto team is right now. That's all I'll say. You guys can uh, put that two and two together. I think it's, <laughs> it, it's interesting. I'm lost, lost. <laughs> it's interesting that the Vancouver Whitecaps aren't playing. Where was it? Portland, where they were last time, mm-hmm. um, sharing that stadium. It's interesting that they're now, you know, moving down there to Utah. Um, I wonder if they just think that's just a better fit for their team, or perhaps um, the players themselves. They they just didn't didn't like the way that Portland was, but they're going to be sharing those facilities by that by all accounts in that report um interesting it's, I, I, I guess i don't really know too much to make of them i want to hear more from from their side and why yeah they, maybe they it's just as simple as, as as a different set of four walls to look at right like you've been staying in that hotel for the better part of three months like there's nothing on the room service menu that you haven't had twice it could just be as simple as keeping keeping the mm-hmm. the, the room and board fresh for the players because it was such a drain for everyone that had to live out of a suitcase last season. So, you know, maybe, maybe it's just this one little thing. That's like a bit of a, a bit of a, a, a new freshness and, and they're hoping for that, but you know, I, I, I can't see that trumping uh, existing partnerships, right? Like, you know, TFC already has the infrastructure built in at Rentschler. So they would have to go and do that all again and figure out the ins and outs of the new stadium, same with Vancouver. Um, so yeah, yeah. It, it, you know, it's, it's, it's probably a failing of, of, um, uh, uh, negotiation as much as it is an attempt to to freshen it up for the players. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that makes sense. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I, yeah. I think there just there just wasn't a lot to do in Hartford. Like honestly, like I think the players just you know it just wasn't a, an ideal spot for for them. Um, and it's not it's not season. two months that they're they're going to be setting up right. For right. They just yeah. Have to that the too. Last yeah. Two months. It's. Mm-hmm gonna be you know long term here i mean mls is they want to get started in april and end of december so if you think about it that way you got to think more long term and perhaps somewhere uh somewhere sunnier does make sense yeah, yeah. and any anyway let's uh the other thing coming out of the cba um which was which was interesting was the fact that pozuelo was looking at a loan to saudi arabia um if the cba didn't go through uh, your guys' thoughts on that? Because obviously, you know, I don't think that would have been ideal for Toronto FC. Obviously, it's good to have a player play, but with international quarantine laws, all the things that, you know, are, are in place right now, who knows when Toronto FC would have gotten him back. Yeah, where did that manifest? I mean, I, I remember seeing Sky, the article. Sky Sports exclusive. Oh, okay, because I, I read the article on our site and I knew nothing about it. I mean, it makes sense. They've been pursuing him pretty aggressively since Genk. Uh, and, uh, yeah, I mean, you know, is, uh, Didn't compare- he, wasn't it pause who had the quote about never wanting to go there though? It was, it was. Yeah. Yeah. It, it, I, it wasn't as strongly worded as that, but, but it certainly wasn't a positive, you know, mm-hmm. if you, if you pardon the pun, it certainly wasn't positive and it was 
in reference to his family and not wanting to to take his family there, you know, uh-huh. for obvious reasons. Um, there's been a there's been a bit of a to do on the boards with respect to the to the pause move because you know do do we look at it in the same way as we looked at the Seba move? Uh, and the general consensus is no. Um, but you know the specifics are much the same, right? You have a finite career. Uh, it's it, you you know you only have a, a certain amount of time to to make your bank. Uh, I know you prefer me to go the other way and say an athlete wants to consistently play, but in the case of going to Arabia, you know, it, you, you can't ignore the fact that you're going to make well above fair market value. And, uh, you know, it, it's a nice way to, 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 to fill up your, your, your bank account. Um, um, you know, do we fault him? No. I mean, at the, at the end of the day, we love this league for how crazy it is, but, you know, players, might be a bit turned off by by the constant renegotiations. Let's not forget this is this was what the second or third time the CBA has been in play in mm. two years. So, yeah, yeah, you mean wants to play, and uh, you know he doesn't want to be sitting around waiting for the league to maybe not have a season this year and then lose out on one of his years in prime uh, making that bank. For sure, it was a contingency plan. Um... And, you know, who knows if, if the reports are true or not, but multiple people have reported it since. Mm-hmm. Um, it, again, like, you can't, can't fault them for it. Um, and I think he was just, like I said, making a <laughs> covering his own ass there, right? Um, yeah. Your mm-hmm. European transfer window closed, closed by the time, you know, these negotiations were up. So, you know, perhaps if things did really go sideways, you know, where is he going to play next season? There aren't many open windows you know so uh, one of the top teams in Saudi Arabia comes knocking I I guess at least you have to inter- entertain it just in case right especially yeah if you no, are the, absolutely you are the most valuable player in the league and you have that opportunity to make a, a boatload of money because you have that you're coming off that year and if if all of those if every MLS player is a free agent next year pause has to be one of the hottest commodities right so mm-hmm. I guess the two and two add up and when you think about it so um, yeah, I can't really fault him for that, and I, I won't. I won't make too much of the rumors as well because I think most of it was just again a contingency plan based on the fact that MLS might not have had a season. Yep, yep, and we're and we're over that now, at least until the next force majeure clause. Uh, Ollie is is on deck. He is in mm-hmm. the green room. Yeah, let's bring uh, let's bring Ollie on. Uh, I did want to say it was uh, it was three times three negotiations in twelve months, which My uh, God. is a lot of negotiating. <laughs> um, <laughs> We didn't have to do much negotiating, thankfully, to get Ollie Platt on the show this week. Thank you so much for, <laughs> for joining us. Um, <laughs> a guest from our inaugural episode, actually, um, now with One Soccer Today, uh, which is every Monday to Friday, 7 p.m. on One Soccer. Uh, thanks so much for joining us, Ollie. Yeah, anytime. Thanks for having me, guys. Cheers, cheers. Well, let's let's start a little bit by talking about you know, the, maybe the uncertainty of the CBA. Um, we were talking a little bit about Pozuelo before you came on and, and the potential that there was for him to go on loan to Saudi Arabia when there wasn't, when it wasn't known, you know, whether or not this, this CBA would be ratified. Um, how much do you think that maybe affected certainly what Toronto FC was trying to do this transfer window and maybe some of the other clubs in MLS as well? Yeah, it's hard to say, really. Um, I, like, I, I never got the impression that, I never really believed that we were going to get a lockout, to be honest. Like, I, I, not to say that the negotiations weren't kind of 
precarious at times because obviously you know the players have been unhappy for over a year now with with the way some of these negotiations have gone but I, I just think when it comes down to it you know MLS as a league there's such a disparity between the top end of the salary spectrum and the bottom that the league always kind of knows I think that they can push the envelope a little bit and they can play pretty hard with the players and there are a lot of guys in this league who need to get paid right they're they're not players who have millions of dollars stashed in the bank and can afford to not play for a year so I, I always thought it would get done for that reason is you know it's just a case of how much kind of um, unhappiness is there in the player pool how does this affect potentially if this keeps happening how does it affect MLS's reputation to foreign players like does the next mm-hmm. Pozuelo pay attention to this and think well you know this guy's having to think about going to Saudi Arabia for a year because the league's not going to play like that stuff that is completely novel to, to foreign players right so I mm-hmm. uh, it's, it's not a reputation that you want to build for yourself um, but yeah I, as I said I, I thought I would have been very surprised if we if we'd actually got to that point where where we were locked out this year, just because of some of the the dynamics and, uh, as I said, in the salaries in, in MLS. So, do you expect now, Ali, more moves to to happen around MLS now that the negotiations are behind us? Or do you think teams are just you know negotiating anyways and bringing transfers? Because from a yeah. FCA perspective, yeah. we're hoping that this sort of opens the floodgates here. But it sure seemed like it, right? Like FC Cincinnati's going out and spending millions of dollars for, <laughs> while also saying that they can't pay their players this year. Um, yeah, yeah. yeah. Tra- tra- trailblazing FC Cincinnati, making all the all the great yeah. MLS moves. They're just reinventing the wheel. Uh, yeah, I mean, I'll move on because you are talking about this transfer window. If TFC could only sign one player in this window, is it a DP or a help at the back? Um, I don't know if I'm in a minority on this, but I, I don't think their needs at the back are as pressing as maybe people make out. Um, like, I know we're coming off that Nashville game where that, that goal didn't look good on Omar Gonzalez or Chris Mavinga, and I know there's been some concerns about those guys at times, but I, I tend to think that, like, Gonzalez, he's, he's really experienced. He's a smart player, positionally really sound. As long as the structure around him is okay, I think he's more than good enough. It's when the structure breaks down, like we saw in, in the last, you know, late in that Nashville game, and he starts to get into one-on-one situations with players who are quicker than him, and he looks bad, right? Like, he, yeah. he's always yeah. going to look bad in those situations. But I, I think as long as the team is fairly well organized, you can mostly keep him out of those situations. And, and as I said, I think his experience of, of this league compensates for, for his weaknesses. So I'm not saying don't bring in a defender. I'm sure they will because Simon's gone and, you know, Zavaleta and, and they need the depth there. Mm-hmm. Um, but I certainly do think that the more pressing need is up front where the, the team was, you know, just way too reliant on Pozuelo last year. It's a fair assessment. How are, uh, how are some of those younger center backs that you think TSU have, like the Julian Dines and, and the Rocco Romeo, do you think they can step up right away and, and do a job? Yeah, I, I hope so. Um, like, I, I like Julian Dunn. Um, I thought he was really good in the CPL for Valor last year. I Like, getting to be at the Island Games, I got to... I didn't really get to speak to him or get to know him that well, but just kind of observe him, right? Um, and he's, he's just like a really calm kid and, and quite, quite mature. And you, you really saw him over the course of that tournament. He, he was really quiet. You know, when, when he first came into the bubble, didn't say a lot, kept himself to himself. And, and as the weeks went on, you really saw him kind of come out of his shell a little bit and, and become, you know, a leader for the Valor team and feel like he can express himself. 
Um, and I think, as I said, I think he's a pretty smart kid and, um, you know, mature, mature beyond his years in that sense. So he's the one that I'd hope, I, I just haven't seen as much of, of Romeo, but I, he, Julian Dunn is the one I'd hope could, could maybe play a part. Um, but the feeling I got was that Greg Vanny did, just didn't think so for whatever reason. Um, you know, he, he didn't seem to be sold on him. Um, so it will really depend on, on what Chris Armas comes in, comes in and sees. I think young players probably will get more of a, a window and, and maybe an opportunity to fail and learn from their failures more than they did under Vanny, who seems to want them to kind of be ready to go, right? Um, <laughs> but, but we'll see. Uh, I think Dunn has the potential, though, for sure. Cool. You mentioned, a- uh, uh, you mentioned Tronoff's offensive reliance kind of on Pozuelo there, and one of the big reasons for that, of course, was you know Josie Altador not being available, and when he was mm-hmm. probably not playing up to the standard we've come to expect from him. Um, we're probably a week removed now, I think, from... You know, that crazy day where all the rumors came out of U.S. men's national team camp regarding, you know, the the amount of interest there was in the player and and potentially some conflict within Toronto FC. Um, what are your thoughts on that whole situation and where Toronto go from here? Because, you know, it's it certainly seemed like things maybe aren't all, all that rosy. Yeah, um, I, I like I, I don't think Ali Curtis would be doing his job if he didn't at least explore the option of moving Jose Altidore. Like, the contract's bad, right? And then for three years now, the guy's been injury-prone, hasn't really been there at the big times of year when they've needed him um, because of those injuries. Like, I I just don't really see how you can go into this season. And again, I I don't want to slight anything that Jose Altidore's done in the past. We all know he's a club legend. That should go without saying. But I don't see how you can go into 2021 and think we can rely on Jose Altidore to be healthy and to be in form right and and that's a problem um when mm-hmm. when you when you only have three dp slots and, and you're paying a guy that amount of money so um as i said i think curtis has got to uh, he's not doing his job if he doesn't at least explore the possibilities um of, of moving on from outer door obviously that's that's going to be contentious that's not going to make the mm-hmm. player happy um you get kind of the Javinko situation all over again and and that can be disruptive, right? So they, they need to resolve it one way or another. I, I I don't. I'm not surprised at all that they're looking at options to um, to potentially sign a new striker to move on from Josie Altidore. But there's going to come a point where if they can't do that, you, you kind of have to just accept that, that he he's our guy, and we have to hope for the best and try to take care of his health as best as possible mm-hmm. and, and move forwards, right? But for, for now, with it, you know, this early in preseason, I'm not surprised that they're kind of looking around and, and potentially shopping him around a bit. Yeah, that the rumor guy uh, Bore, he just had a he just had a yeah. baby, so I'm not oh. entirely sure that that's, so, uh, that's, so that that's happening, right? Like, I mean, he would have to fly with a newborn and then be in quarantine. Like, it's just it's looking further and further away. So, um, yeah. let's get messy instead, right? Sure. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Uh, Toronto. Uh, what what was what was his salary that was? Uh... In euros or Canadian dollars, just add 15 more zeros and run out of paper. Yeah. yeah. Do you want to be Barcelona is. Toronto Football Club as well? Like, <laughs> interesting. Yeah. Yeah. As long as as long as our kids have these little thumb holes, which I'm really good at. Uh, mm. uh, Michael, you uh you don't have a question written down, so I'm just oh, go do I it. do I ever? Um, Not but... really. No, no, I'm, I'm showing them how the sausage is made. I'm, I'm sorry about that. <laughs> Come on. Um, but oh, let's move on. Let's talk some, um, I guess we can talk some She Believes Cop because that, that's coming up and it's right around the corner. 
Um, who are who are some of the names? Question. Of course. <laughs> who are some of the names that you you think that would shine at that that tournament for Canada? Perhaps some of the lesser known names. Uh, yeah, good question. Um, well, I'll start with some of the more well-known ones. Like, I, I think I'm really interested to see Jessie Fleming yeah. um, because she's actually started to get a couple of starts for Chelsea now. I'm really interested to see what that environment's done for her. For her. I, I thought, to be honest, she stayed in college too long. I know that you want to, you know, finish your education and, and you know, that kind of mm-hmm. get, gets a little bit of priority, I guess. But I, I do think that she's been beyond college caliber for probably a couple of years now and and maybe her development stalled a bit because she wasn't in the pros so I'm interested to see what that's done for her over the past few months um in terms of lesser known players like the, the one I think that everyone's kind of excited to see is Evelyn Vn right but just someone who's scored at every level she's been at continued to score in the NWSL and in France um and, you know, now we're finally, I, I'm surprised she hasn't been called up before now, but we're finally going to get to find out whether she can be some kind of solution for a team that uh, hasn't been scoring enough goals for for a while now, right? So, um, yeah, th- those two stand out to me as, as two that I'll be watching. I'm excited for what, that. What would you call a success in terms of the women's national team performance at the She Believes Cup? Um, I'd say I, I, you, you want to try and get to get second place right like the the u.s to the u.s um mm-hmm. but i i think other than that you know especially with japan dropping out brazil's a team i'd probably put them ahead of canada right now um or at least on the what we've seen over you know the end of heiner moller's time in charge but that's a team that you've got to want to be able to compete against right and get a result against if you're going to do anything at the olympics um anything at the next world cup so um, I, you know, Canada haven't necessarily been there. They, they had a bad defeat against Brazil after the last World Cup. But I think a team that a Canada team that's playing well, um, that's really playing to its potential, um, should be able to to go up against Brazil and, and get a result. So, yeah, US is always going to be tough, and, and it will be tough for a while, I think. But uh, rest of the field, I, I think Canada should be wanting to to be on top of that. That'll be a good measuring stick game for sure. Um, for sure, yeah. One of the questions I want to ask specifically is I want to ask about Jordan Heidema because mm-hmm. she's she's a really interesting name because she was really hyped up to you know really succeed Christine Sinclair almost and she's still very young and um, she's finding her footing still at PSG. But do you still think that that hype is still around her and does she still have what it takes to you know be Canada's next number nine? Yeah, that's the that's the big question, right? Mm-hmm. Um, <laughs> I like I I've always been kind of a, a little bit cautious with Jordan Heitzma because I think like the the fact is is that what she's done so far is she scores a lot of goals against poor teams, right? And that's fine. That's like she's she's ahead of schedule compared to most players of her age, right? She's she's playing white. She's playing for PSG. She's already got however many national team caps. Like you you got make it all relative and, and say that she's already way ahead of most of her peers in her age group. Um, but she hasn't really proven herself yet against top opposition, um, either for club or country. And, and so that's the next step she's got to take. Right. And I know a lot of people want to see her in the starting lineup. They want to see her and Sinclair paired together and, and playing together now for me, like I, I've got to see her do it against a stronger opponent before I'm really putting her in pen in, in the best 11, um, because there are a lot of other good you know theoretically good attacking options in Janine Becky and Michelle Prince and now VN and, and other players right so mm-hmm. 
she she's for sure got the the talent to be you know a core player for Canada for for years to come. But I, I just think she's still she's still in that process of really maturing and, and actually showing it at a top level. But you know, there's a reason she's at PSG, and, and obviously a lot of people think that that's going to come, and, and hopefully it does. Get yeah, and of, of course they have the uh, the England friendly coming up as well, so that'll be a that'll be a fun one, yeah, especially yeah, yeah. with with that Priestman. Uh, angle on that um <laughs> of course this tournament on uh on one soccer which is awesome considering awesome. you know being able to watch these games after you know what happened at the men's camp unfortunately um, oh, with, oh, yeah. yeah with a couple yeah. of highlights Uh-oh. that sort of thing <laughs> we lost <laughs> we lost the camera there but uh, yeah, i did yeah. want to talk uh, what, just briefly finally here about the the men's national team and of course the news that ricardo ferrara is finally committed to Canada, certainly a player they've known about for a long time. I know Zambrano on his uh, tour of Europe, trying to talk to all these guys, talked to him a couple of years ago, but Herbman was finally able to, uh, so. <laughs> no, yeah, it certainly wasn't. Uh, I think, uh, I think the week after, um, who was it? Who's the uh, Italian guy who, Oh, Brian Cristante. Yeah, Cristante played for Italy, and then for our, and uh, I think Gustacchio <laughs> both played for Portugal. So um, <laughs> certainly Herdman's had more success, and you know he's bringing in a player that has played at a very high level. Not recently, though, considering the the injuries. Um, mm-hmm. What do you think Canada could be getting in Ricardo Ferrara? You know, certainly I think the health is the biggest factor here. Right, for sure, and like, yeah, like I I said this on our show last week. Like, there, there's two questions for me one is can you get him healthy uh, in the first place because it's been like three years now where he's been you know pretty devastated by knee injuries and not played a lot of games and and then secondly is he still at the same level he was um you know back when he was playing for Braga and, and getting called up to the Portuguese national team because that player is obviously Canada's best center back and, and a massive addition to the program um but if you know the wear and tear of those injuries has, has lowered his level a little bit um then, then obviously you, you don't know so much, right? So, yeah, it's, it's potentially a great addition. Obviously, there's no negative to it. You get the player in, the, you know, committed to Canada. You try and hope he gets healthy. You get him in camps and, and see how it goes. So there's no downside. Um, but is he a sure thing to be the player that we were all clamoring over two or three years ago to, to play for Canada? You can't say so at this point, right? Because the injuries he's had, you know, even worse than Josie Altador has been like uh, just his, I, I don't know how many, knee, how many knee injuries he's had, but it's like, you've got to think that that's going to be something that's going to take a while to, to really fully come back from, but fingers crossed. And, you know, he's still a good age and hopefully he can, can get back to where he was. Yeah, don't uh, don't love the idea of him playing on uh, some of those Concacaf surfaces. It's probably not <laughs> right, gonna, right. probably not yeah. going to prolong the career at all. Um, no, but yeah, no. thanks, thanks oh, so wait, much. Wait, wait. Well, oh, we missed we, we missed. Well, because we missed talking about it in the preamble, so we might as well ask Ollie if if he thinks Tigers have even a, a snowball's chance in hell of mm. taking Bayern into the Club <laughs> World Cup. Um. Well, Bayern can't really defend that this season, it seems like. So maybe there's like a window of opportunity there. I like I, I love Tigres as a team. They're, they're like, for me, and I know they, they spend a lot of money, so it's not it's easier said than done. But they're like mm-hmm. the pinnacle of what we should want to see in CONCACAF, right? Like they're a team that goes after big players. They have a good core of Mexican players as well. When they came to Toronto, they were just so professional. Like Tuca Ferretti doesn't really say anything, but you just know he's kind of... A competent coach um yeah 
and uh, everything about them is like a it's, it's like a big club right like it's comparable to what you see in europe and, and things like that so they're, they're like the 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 kind of north star the aspiration i think for every club that wants to be big uh, in concaf so I, I hope they can give them a good game and um as i said buy buying a pretty fragile at times so you never know will yeah, they be I mean, taking yeah. selfies with Bayern <laughs> players after the <laughs> Probably <laughs> Alfonso, right? That's a given. <laughs> we can yeah, give you a pass yeah. for that. <laughs> to, to be fair, in terms of Tigris, you know, they came to BMO Field shortly, uh, I guess, before Club America. So that made them look a, a little bit better in terms <laughs> sure, of what was happened with Club yeah. America's visit to uh, BMO Field. Yeah, but, yeah. yeah. Oh, definitely agree yeah, yeah, on that. Yeah. But yeah, Ollie, thanks, uh, thanks so much for for taking the time this week. Thanks. All right, thanks, guys. Cheers, Cheers man. Yeah. Again, you can catch Ollie uh, alongside Andy Petrillo and Gareth Wheeler uh, weeknights, seven p.m. over on One Soccer. Always have some great discussions about all things soccer. Um, Michael's having some <laughs> some real issues here with the with the phone. Um, oh man! It's your birthday, Michael. I know exactly what I'm getting you as a it's, present. It's a phone <laughs> You know, I was gonna I was gonna call Ollie a big leaguer there, and I'm here fiddling around with my headphones and stuff. He's got the big one soccer stage right now, and you know, that's great yeah, to yeah, see. Yeah. Former former WTR managing editor moving up. So you know, I know it's always it's always rooting for Ollie. Ollie. And, well, I just, I, he's got such a brilliant soccer mind. It's, oh, it's so yeah. much fun to pick his brains. Um, what's next? Uh, we've, we haven't talked about J Dave. Oh, we can talk oh, about J Dave. Yeah. Oh, um, absolutely, we can. Ottawa five native. Last five games. Yeah, Ottawa native. The Ottawa <laughs> native, Jonathan Dave. <laughs> Let's go. Um, yeah, it's, I mean, it looks like he's finally fully settled into the player that we knew he all could be with Lille. I mean, they're flying right now, and a big reason for that is that Jonathan David's scoring every game and, and getting them huge results right now. So, obviously, pretty exciting and big stuff coming up for him. You know, they've got that Europa League tie against Ajax, which obviously will be a great opportunity for him to prove you know the the caliber of player that he can be. And, and you know, obviously, top of Liga, there's everyone's watching right now and he's you know when the spotlight's on he's shining yeah which goal did you prefer i the second one to me was the one that i watched over and over all day all day Mm -hmm. yeah that was some great combination play was was so fast unbelievable and just just the way he kind of stuttered to stop his run a tiny little bit to like ruin all the defenders and then became completely unmarked in the box god i mean he's so calm in the box it's 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 I, you know I, I think I said this in the in the chat. Uh, you can't teach that. I mean that's 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 a skill to not to not lose your head. Having the awareness to play a give and go with a, a ball coming in at that pace in the box and to finish first time after receiving the ball back with your weak foot and the finish that he had that is that's world class and i don't think any goalkeeper in the world stopping that let alone like many defenders um, i'm scooting to see what will's saying here when has canada ever had two top players playing and starting regular minutes with two teams leading their respective teams in top leagues pinch me yeah straight up <laughs> no. and this is something yeah. i also this is something yeah. i also wanted to talk about you have jonathan david who is the most expensive canadian transfer ever since making the move over in the summer he started off with two goals in 25 games. And as Mitch said, he now has five in his last five. 
Leal, his, his team, he, he's the number nine for at 21 years old in League One, is ahead of mm-hmm. Neymar's Paris Saint-Germain, Kylian Mbappe's PSG by three points. He's ahead of uh, Leon by two points. And Leal is off to their best start ever with mm-hmm. Jonathan David at, at, at the, you know, leading the charge. And then you look over, you have Alfonso Davies, and obviously we all know what he's doing with Bayern Munich. Mm-hmm. And it, like, it all brings me to what I want to talk about, which was the athletics article of Stan Stachel and uh, Paul Torino. They had a great read about how MLS players are, are now being revalued. and it, it, It's a different type of valuation now because teams overseas, what they said was... MLS is sort of like a black hole to those teams, to those European teams. No one really knows what MLS is. And there's a good quote in there from Jesse Marsh. And Jesse Marsh was saying he had a ton of people asking him about it because he obviously now is over there at Red Bull. And mm-hmm. he, he's the, the closest sort of link to, to the two leagues. But Everybody's going to think that all MLS is just pressing all the time because they're just <laughs> Red Bull people. They're like, oh, well, yeah, MLS, yeah. Another great anecdote, and this kind of ties into what we were talking about last week with TFC, was Weston McKinney. And he was the mm-hmm. FC Dallas product who actually never ended up signed, came through the FC Dallas Academy, but didn't sign an MLS contract. Instead, he opted to go overseas himself. Um, obviously, he's found his way onto Juventus, and he's made a huge name for himself at Juventus. And that ultimately sparked uh, the interest in Brian Reynolds, which we all uh, like follow that saga a bunch, and Juventus mm-hmm. was right in there. And that's because of what Weston McKinney did. So if we can relate that to Canada, you think about what Alfonso Davies and what Jonathan David are doing, you got to think about how people are circling, you know, Canada soccer and looking for that next like that next star because the, the people who are going over there right now, they're they're the ones that they're tearing up and they're being trailed. They're setting, setting the pace for, for Canada soccer. And this is going to... Yeah, go ahead. Can I slow your roll a tiny little bit? Just bring up two things. Do you think that maybe some of this has to do with the fact that the big European teams are in a bit of a budget crunch and they can swoop in and buy these players for cheaper because MLS is one of the more untapped markets? I don't know. So it could be it could be a combination of both for sure. It's an untapped market, and that's definitely you want to get ahead of that. But I don't think that's yeah, the I ultimate mean, reason. I think the ultimate reason is that the they're starting to realize the talent is there. And sure, they can get it at a cheaper price than you know uh, other places in the world like like obviously paying for a player from like santos for example from brazil mm-hmm, exactly. like you're gonna pay an, an extra premium for that player well yeah like but, we wanted lucas hansen so badly and what was his team they refused but they refused to go down on his on his transfer fee right like they just weren't willling to play ball with us mm-hmm. and i would I think that an about MLS lucas team, hansen. <laughs> but I, I would think that an mls team well, I think about Lucas Hansen all the time because of Erickson Gallardo, and I'd rather have had Lucas <laughs> But, uh, uh, you know, you got to think that an MLS team, when, when Juve, when the old lady comes calling, they're like, oh, my God, what do you want? For we'll sure, give, you, we'll sure. give you the locker room. Like, do you want his apartment? Like, what what, what can we do? <laughs> so, so there's a part of me, and, and I feel the same way about J-Dave. I'm not, I'm, not ready for, to, I'm not ready to let my heart accept that there won't be more bumps in the road for him. You know, like as excited as I am about about the last couple of games and as excited as I am about reading Twitter and all the Lil fans like going, maybe he isn't crap after all, which has been like a, a pretty major theme on, on the Lil uh, fan boards. I do reserve but a bit Jay, of cynicism. Jay Days wasn't wasn't cheap to, to, exactly. to your other point. He was he's the most expensive signing in, in their team history, right? Mm-hmm. Something along those lines. and. 
No, he was. He broke their he broke their transfer. And record. yeah, and I think that only drives the valuation of the next Canadian player up. Perhaps even someone like Io Akinola, who is probably the mm-hmm. closest thing Canada has to a Jonathan David right now, right? Is mm-hmm. that, that pure number nine sort of build? Um, does that yeah? Does that the way that Jonathan David is performing? Does that you know inflate Io Akinola's price even even slightly? Right? Does it does it get more teams interested in him? You know, it's it's a ripple effect, and mm-hmm. uh, again, the more the better that Jonathan David and Alfonso Davies play, it's the better for kids back home here. I don't think I, I think that's inarguable. I just mm-hmm. I you know dot com bubbles bubbles. All we do is talk about bubbles these days, and you know <laughs> the one thing that's constant in bubbles is that they eventually burst. So, you know what what. What does this mean for the future of, of MLS players? Is this like a weirdo kind of moment, wrinkle in time where where the collusion of, of North American players making making proper indents into 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 the European leagues at the same time as the European leagues are looking for value everywhere? Just you know, how does that how does that all end up? Is is either way, Jeff? I'll take it because mm-hmm. yeah, start, no. it's the start of a movement, and I, I really yeah, think yeah, yeah. it's just the beginning of it. And- Absolutely. Either way, yeah. that play, that European teams want to accept our players. If it is because they're cheaper, so be it. We'll just get so our players yeah. over there because our players yeah. are good enough and it's about time. Yeah, I agree. Yeah. I agree. And yeah, obviously, you hope that uh, this extends to the Canadian Premier League as well. Uh, kind of need the, the proof of concept there first. Um, they need someone who can go over there and, and prove that, uh, you know, they can play up to that high level, obviously. Um, Dominic Zator going over to, to Sweden right now is a, a good sign, that sort of thing. They're starting to, to develop those relationships and that sort of thing, but um, definitely need the need, need the one young guy to go over and do what Jonathan David and Alfonso is doing or Weston McKenney. There's, so, there's way more proof in MLS. So Tristan Borges wasn't that guy? <laughs> well, he, <laughs> he doesn't have a squad number. He's, yeah. he's squad number free. Yeah, yeah. Uh, it's been, uh, a, it's been you, a rough year for him, yeah. Is that realistic for the CPL, Mitch, or would the, would would the CPL be a more of a feeder to MLS and then to Europe? Right. Uh, I th- I think it is realistic for the Canadian Premier League. I think at at some point, especially if again you need that proof of concept, but we're now talking about the MLS valuations going up. If teams start to shy away from how expensive those prices are getting, they can find some absolute bargains in the Canadian Premier League, yeah. right? And and that's where I think the Canadian Premier League can succeed is, is, you know, not necessarily selling guys on the cheap, but selling guys at much cheaper than you could get in MLS and, and offering those kind of bargains. And we know based on the budgets of some of these teams, you know, what a world of difference, even a six figure transfer would do for any of these clubs. Right. And mm-hmm. yeah, that's, that's, that's honestly how, and that's how this league is, has positioned itself from the beginning as a model that's based on that. So, well, that's um, the thing is I don't think they need to compete with, with MLS or anything like that because MLS will be sending players, hopefully to big leagues like Serie A, the, the Premier League, like, you know, soccer is a big place and you can mm-hmm. send a player to the Swedish second division for a good transfer fee or you know mm-hmm. something along those lines so i think the canadian Premier League is isn't in line with mls there perhaps on a smaller scale but like you said mm-hmm. a couple hundred thousand dollars that makes a massive difference for for a you know canadian Premier League club perfect segue to the fact that the new ccl the new Concacaf system hey. is really opening up the floodgates for that can con my friends uh, what is it? Three guaranteed places, as many as five. 
because mm-hmm. finally Canadian teams playing in MLS that win MLS things are allowed MLS uh, prizes. <laughs> I mean, the, the league's only 25 years old. I'm very glad that we figured this out now. So it's almost feels uh, like an apology, though. Like we're getting. I'll take it. I mean, <laughs> yeah. honestly, you know, the years. <laughs> the years I've had to explain to casual fans. So if they win MLS Cup yeah, in the Champions League, nope, 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 no, 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 they have to solve first solve these riddles three. And people no, but are like, yeah, why do you watch they win the league, they're so, good, right? Yeah, yeah, yeah nope, no. nope, sorry, no, 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 it goes, it goes to to Atlanta again. What? Why? <laughs> I mean, <laughs> so so yeah, it's uh, that's that's pretty awesome news. Uh, and of those three places. One is the traditional uh, uh, Canadian Championship Voyagers Cup plays, and two are CPL dependent of the three guaranteed. Mm-hmm. Two are two are CPL, yeah. yeah, two are yeah. CPL. I think yeah. one was supposed to be the the season winner, and one was supposed to be like the actual like playoff winner. Um, right, we're, we're right, supposed to get right. into that. And it's only going to so, be what a sixteen team tournament, if I'm not mistaken, something like that. The, something like that. I read revised. I read a breakdown on the MLS it's, mothership, it's the winners be, and losers. Yeah. it's supposed to be pretty small but i I like the the revamp format i think it's it's a lot more straightforward and you know the, the best countries are now going to be represented in Concacaf. i think the best i think the only question i had was uh it hasn't has it been definitively stated whether or not the final is uh, aggregate or one and done i think it was i wouldn't be able to tell you what it is but no. i thought everything was moving to single knockout now we probably should have done more research on this yeah, before we, we, should, about it. we jumped into it but <laughs> <laughs> i you know i love aggregate guys i'm sad i love aggregate i realized that you know we're we got to get out of pandemic first before we consider two-legged series but i really i love aggregate math. mls mls cup did you like the the one leg or did you like the aggregate because this year we had the the one leg right i think finals, i like aggregate finals should always be one and done yeah i agree with that. yeah yeah that i yeah. agree out of final i, I kind of like the one and done throughout the, the whole process because i just think the games are more exciting Maybe it's just the North American mindset. Man, you know, but going out, I, going out any, one nil to Nashville. That wasn't any, very exciting. Any game seven, man. I, I like. <laughs> I can get into it. And if the first leg is always a little bit less entertaining for me out of a two leg affair. Give me the tactics. I can get into that. that. I'm on board, but just from mm. from a casual supporter's like perspective, I, I like the the idea of a game seven every playoff game. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, there's arguments to be made for both sides, but oh, yeah. I really oh, love yeah. ag- I love drunk aggregate math, and I don't ever want to say goodbye to drunk aggregate. <laughs> <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> like, are we winning? Are we losing? Uh, I don't know. I don't know. Um, yeah, to to put a bow on this though, I think the the more um, the more opportunity Canadians have to get exposed to all of Concacaf's tricks and all the things that happen and in away legs in Concacaf, uh, I think the better. So. You know, the more yeah. Canadian teams, the more Canadian players that can get involved in something like this. I mean, we've already seen, you know, I, I think we're going to see the dividends of of what Oso and those guys went through in their CONCACAF run for the Canadian men's national team. So, uh, you know, it can only be better if there's more Canadian teams involved. It really is a trial by fire, isn't it? Like, Absolutely. Or trial by urine. either way, yeah. either way you slice it, it's, uh, it, it is something special. Um, Phil B uh, did all right in, in Series 2, did he not? Uh, yeah, it's, it's not over yet. So, like, the first two days oh. of qualification, uh, the first two days of, like, the group stage, essentially, uh, he did okay. He still has some work to do, kind of just like the mm. last time. He, he has to 
uh, get hot here. I think today's his last day of qualification, if I'm not mistaken. Um, okay. So we'll keep an eye out, keep you guys updated, and hopefully if he can get into that, that top eight, he'll move on to you know the quarterfinals there. And that's where things get interesting because he, he's been there a bunch of mm-hmm. times, almost every time he's been there, but he hasn't been right. able to quite get over that hump. So yeah, hey, the, another, another shot at league series too. Hopefully, hopefully, uh, you know he gets a couple of bounces, and, and we're rooting for Phil, and we're seeing him take home a trophy. Um, mm-hmm. This is the, the second last tournament before EMLS Cup, which is all obviously the big one. So um, it isn't the end of the world if he doesn't do well in this tournament, but obviously we're rooting for him regardless. Yeah, yeah, he's our guy. He's our mm-hmm. guy. Uh, do we want to close it out with uh, with raising a toast to our man Christian Jack? Oh. Yeah, I think we should. Yeah, um, it's tough to even find find the words. To to be honest with you, like Chris and Jack has, uh, you guys saw the response that you know he received when he obviously did announce the news that he was uh, let go there by Bell Media. Um, what Chris and Jack has done for Canada soccer is. Words can't describe it. He, yeah, we we talk about the players a lot on the show, and um, he he's just as big of part of, of growing the game in, in this country. So um, we we know here at Wake and the Red, he's a friend of the show. He'll he'll be fine. Like we're not worried oh, about man. that. It's just will TSN be fine? With, I mean, yeah, it's, it's just it's, with yeah, the World Cup coming up with the Euros coming up with with mm-hmm. you know how much we're talking about Canada soccer growing, and to go. <laughs> lose one of the the leaders uh, of the game mm-hmm. in, in if this not country. the if not if, the guy let's if be not if not the leader of the game in this country mm-hmm. um it, it's it just doesn't make sense on so many levels and again like we're, we're excited to see what he does next because we know it, it is coming but just why <laughs> it just it didn't, didn't <laughs> need to go down that road I, I i mean obviously there's a lot of different things that go behind yeah i am not going to open the, the we, we won't like, get into it not, much, i don't have access just, to their financials yeah yeah, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> <laughs> just from an outsider's perspective let's say it yeah it's it was mind, an absolute wtf moment yep yeah mm-hmm. i agree Mind-boggling. yeah i agree i mean you know um certainly as you guys have said raise the raise the level of conversation i think like you know he in terms of soccer discussion in Canada, like the the IQ and the, the the kind of discussions that he was having on a weekly basis were, you know, as you guys said, raise just raise the standard. I think, and and you know, every time I listen to KJ, I learn something new. So obviously, every time, very every, disappointing, and every single time. No, he's as a- you guys have said we're we're six years away from a World Cup. You know, it's just it's disappointing to see the level of coverage in this country. And obviously we're trying to do what we can here, waking the red. And, and I think we do a pretty good job, but you'd like to see more. You'd like to see more variety. And, and unfortunately right now it kind of feels like the industry is, is shrinking a little bit. And again, that's, that's disappointing because we have such an opportunity here once in a lifetime, really opportunity to shine light on the game in this country. And it feels like some of the people who are the very best at doing that are, you know, getting their platforms, unfortunately, no, taken away from them. For sure. Yeah. Honestly, and you can call it like TSN, Sportsnet, you guys have to do better. You guys have to do more for, for soccer in this country. The, having the Canadian press as the only articles on your website about soccer is, is just not good enough. 
it's mm-hmm. the way the direction that the game is going is like you have Alfonso Davies who could be the most popular athlete in this country. He's could be the best left back in the world and he's so recognized globally. And I feel like almost in our own country we we do him injustice because we don't have enough soccer coverage. And there's gonna be the Mike, next Can you buy Davies. a Canada shirt? Please tell me how to buy a Canada shirt. It's like it's a it's it's draconian and then you just give up. Like forget about the name set also. Yeah. So there's a lot of there's a lot of logistical nightmares going on here, a lot of ignoring uh, a sport that maybe traditionally got you know ruined a lot of of, uh, of media executive careers right. It's not let's not let's not dilly dally here. You know, soccer has always been on a kind of like whale trajectory in terms of of eyeballs in Canada, and you know maybe it's not enough for us to be screaming from the mountaintops. No, this time it's this time it's finally going to take. <laughs> Because they've heard it all before, right? And 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 you know, as, as but again, you know, to pair to to to, I agree with you. Like we are at the precipice of of a World Cup in our country in our lifetimes, right? If there if there was ever a time to bet heavy on soccer, it's not it's even now. just the World Cup. It's it's what everyone else is doing too. It's what mm-hmm. Alfonso Davies is doing, Jonathan mm-hmm. Davies. It's what the Canadians won the national team is doing. It's literally on every front except for this media coverage. And that's the only disconnect I'm seeing right now. Because, mm. I, honestly, our Canadian athletes get more media coverage overseas than they do in our, in our own country. And mm. that's because of the biggest media players in our country right now because they don't give them enough attention. And obviously, mm. yeah, we don't have the numbers in front of us and we can't tell them what to do, but... We can we can try. <laughs> listen, can listen. Try. If you had told me before the Super Bowl that this would be one of the lowest rated Super, I didn't watch it because Eggball and me were not great bedfellows. But if you had told me that the ratings would be lower for the Super Bowl than they have been in decades during a pandemic when no one can go outside and only has television to watch, I would have been like, "Are you crazy?" But that's the, that's what happened. I mean, people found something else to watch. In when when they're the definition of a captive audience, so I I I don't know I don't know man I um, it's crazy out there you know I would I would have bet heavy on the ratings being higher w- without batting an eyelash and the, I didn't and I didn't see the Super Bowl ratings to be honest with you no it's going around the horn now that they were uh, they were a lot lower than expected considering the specifics of of what what we're living in right now so. You know, you, t- you take that as an example that, you know, you can you can apply logic, but sometimes the, the result is entirely illogical. So. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And just to, to bring it back around full circle is, again, we wish we wish KJ all, all the best of luck. And, you know, he's a he's a first class professional and he went out with class. And the, the, the anecdote that he kind of told in his tweet there um, is one that I think will stick with me for the rest of my life. And that was when um the executives there at TSN, they, they were saying that he has to almost, I'm going to paraphrase, but they were saying that he has to sort of dumb down his, his work for, for the soccer moms out there who might not understand. Mm-hmm. And KJ's response to them is, don't worry about them, they're going to catch up. And yeah. like for, for, for the game in this country, for to, to move, accelerate the, the game in this country, is they're going to have to catch up. And yep. again, yeah, we'll, we'll, we can raise a toast to KJ um, on Absolutely. that note because... I think that's a perfect way of, of summing up who KJ is. Yep, yep. yep. He never talked down to us. 
Um, Kevin, producer Kev wants us to talk about this UEFA Conference League, and I don't because it's stupid and I don't want to that. Well, let's, let's give one, one, one final shout out to the, you know, talk about the Super Bowl, the real biggest, uh, you know, world's team sports competition, which of course is the Club World Cup. I love the Club World Cup. I don't know why it doesn't get enough money. I think it's such a fantastic tournament. Um, you know, the fact that it's consistently played in some countries that maybe don't have the best records on human rights and, and that sort of thing is a little, little iffy, but uh, I love that game. I, I love the Club World Cup. I am so looking forward to the final on Thursday. Yeah, two things to, to mention in the final. Of course, first CONCACAF team, as we mentioned, with Tigris making the final. And then, of course, first Canadian who could win it with Alfonso Davies playing against them and Bayern Munich. So um, a, a lot to look out for in that game. Um, very that kid's trophy that. case. He's going to need a whole house. Tell me about it. Is he 19 still or how old is he? No, nah, he's 20 now, I believe. 20? He's, tw- he's 20 oh, and he's he's won just about. Yeah, he's, yeah. <laughs> take him out Take him out back behind the bar. <laughs> Alfonso's <laughs> time is done. Yeah, yeah it's, it's, it's almost like the like the Killian Mbappe thing. Like once when he uh, when he was in the Champions League final, it's like if he, if he wins this, does he just like solve like does he win soccer? Like is it, <laughs> is, is it worth doing it anymore? But no, yeah, but straight no. up, he's he's reaching that level, man. Yeah, he's, yeah. he's reaching that level with yeah, the amount of athletes that wild. he's racking up, and I think there might not be much debate as to who the best left back in the world is right now because I think before it was sort of Andy Robertson and and Alfonso Davies, but one of them has has stayed consistent. The other one seems to be struggling, and I think that <laughs> that Fonzie's, Fonzie is the best left back left back in the world. Anytime I can take a Liverpool jab and get, yeah, one I was gonna say one more <laughs> Liverpool shot. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Tell us how you really. Uh, <laughs> yeah, Re- regardless, it, it would be cool to win, see a Canadian win some kind of World Cup at least. But that brings us uh, to the end of uh, this week's show. Big thank you, of course, to Ollie Platt for hopping on. Never gets old talking. Beautiful game with that guy. Thanks to Kevin and Sophia Homestand for all the things they've been doing in the background on this show. On behalf of Jeff and Michael, thanks so much for tuning in. Until next Tuesday. Ciao.